Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Making a murderer. Is Stephen Avery guilty or innocent? The Netflix documentary Making a Murderer follows the real-life case of Stephen Avery, but it may be missing key evidence. That tells you what kind of tunnel vision they had. Avery is serving a life sentence for the 2005 murder of photographer Teresa Halbach. This is Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Stephen Avery's attorney looks to get a new trial for her client. Kathleen Zellner lays out six reasons why she believes Stephen Avery deserves a new trial. Factors include the prosecutor's handling of the case, specifically mentioning Ken Kratz, accusing him of withholding evidence from the defense. Teresa Halbach was targeted by Stephen Avery. Zellner also points to an ex-boyfriend of Halbach's, suggesting he is the one responsible for killing her. Stephen Avery, innocent or guilty. I remember when a young girl, beautiful, short brown hair, big brown eyes, was just a missing person. And we highlighted it on my show on CNN's HLN. Little did I know that was the beginning of a case that would have reverberations even now. That girl, Teresa Hallback, her killer, Stephen Avery. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, and we are podcasting live from CrimeCon 2000. Woo! Or as my twins go, they don't even know what they're doing. They go, they don't even know what that means. And they'll go, it's so funny. Oh, man. And when I think about them, I think about Teresa Hallback's family. Okay, what would you do? You pour all your life, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your energy. Isn't that right, Renee? How many times have you come over to our house, even though she is a defense lawyer, and I'm doing homework? I'm in the floor making a project. And we're having trouble with it. Oh, trouble, big trouble, yeah. I can't believe they give them that kind of project in the third grade. I was doing that as a senior in high school. I'm like... I've certainly mastered the staple gun and the hot glue, thanks to their third grade teacher. 
And then they're just taken and brutally, brutally raped and murdered. With me today, the lead investigator on the Stephen Avery case, Tom Fassbender. Also with me, the creator of Up and Vanished, Payne Lindsay. With me, veteran defense attorney, Renee Rockwell, out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. And of course, Alan the Duke. Duke, with his radio voice straight from his posh pad, penthouse in L.A. Thank you very much. I want to talk about Stephen Avery because at the launch of CrimeCon 2017 here in Indianapolis, we learn that there is a brand new high-paid lawyer, well-known, high-profile, that has written written a 1,000-page-plus defense brief claiming out of the blue that Teresa Hallback's ex-boyfriend is the real killer okay let me just tell you something that's not true that is not true because let's how much sense does that make tom because we know and this is by stephen avery's and that stephen avery is the focus of netflix and i sure don't want to make them mad at me but they probably already are netflix making a murder Suggesting after thousands of hours of videoing, thousands of hours of videoing, they cobble it together to make it look like Stephen Avery is innocent. And that is just killing me. And what do you think her, Teresa Hallback's family is feeling about all this? Let's just pretend for a moment, let's suspend our disbelief. If the ex-boyfriend had killed her, on Stephen Avery's words to me, I interviewed him on TV when she was just missing. He told me, Stephen Avery told me, Teresa Hallback came to his auto salvage yard business that day that she took the pictures and left. Okay? He told me that to my face. I was going easy because I didn't want him just to get up and leave at the beginning of the show, you know? I wanted to at least ask him some questions. So I asked him, you know, what happened, blah, 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 blah. And then I get to, I'm like, now, let me understand something. Her car is found at the edge of your auto salvage lot, hidden under, like, was it plywood and trees? What was it hidden An automobile hood, trees, branches, pieces of wood. He goes, that's right. I'm like, wow, that's a coincidence that her car is found on your lot. He goes, yeah, I was framed. I'm like, okay, so... They found the car fairly quickly, so the way your lot is situated, because I looked it up, is situated to get in your lot, don't you have to pass your office? He goes, uh-huh. I'm like, didn't you just tell me that you were in the office the whole day and you never saw anybody come in? That's the only way in and out. Then he started backing off, getting all befuddled. He, remember now, he told me that she came and took the pictures. But then... He's got, we've got him star 67-ing himself where you hide your phone number, calling her number. And then, what I think, after she's dead, he leaves a message. Now, correct me if I've got it wrong. He leaves a message saying, hey, this is Stephen Avery. Why didn't you show up? Well, he didn't leave a message. What he what did, did he was do? He, he called the number. He did not use the star 67 feature on the call after she had been abducted already, after 2.30, quarter to 3, when Teresa was seen at the residence by his nephew walking to his, Stephen Avery's, house. Well, then later, about 4.30, he makes that call without Star 67 because he wants it to be seen, and that, we believe, is an alibi call. Okay. So him telling me one story is completely opposite and, and that happened often early on where Stephen made and told different stories. What were some of the stories? With me is Tom Fassbender, the lead detective on the Steve Avery case, okay, which Netflix has, you know, no offense, made people believe that the prosecutor set out to get the wrong person. Why? What joy is it in getting the wrong person behind bars? When the right person's walking free and you have an innocent person behind bars. 
So tell me how the whole thing went down, Tom. Well, initially on that day, this was Halloween 2005, Stephen Avery makes a call to Auto Trader where Teresa worked. Not so, using Star 67. Not using okay. Star 67. He calls the, the office, Auto Trader, he asks Auto Trader to send out the same girl that had been there before. He provides a different name, Beyonda, not his own name. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't know that. Yes. Or I forgot it. I know so much about the case, I forgot it. Okay. <laughs> so wait, so he used a fake name? Well, it was actually his sister's name, Beyonda Barbianda. He uses her name for a van that she owned that he allegedly is going to sell. What we later learn on is Barb really didn't want that van sold. So start thinking about this. He also provides her phone number, <laughs> not his phone number. And the Where was the van? Was the van at the lot? The, ba- the van was outside of, uh, between their houses. Barb's so he, didn't, he wouldn't give his own name? He wouldn't give his own okay. name. Okay. And he gave her phone number. And the people at Auto Trader said, the one that took the call said he talked funny, like he was trying to disguise a voice. She couldn't tell whether it was a, a man or a woman. Why is he doing this? Then now, this is the, before she comes. This is before she comes. And isn't it true, Tom, that she did not want to go, that she had been out there for Auto Trader before and she thought he was creepy? She felt he was creepy. Um, because he had come to the door with a towel on only. Oh, that Lord. Was kind okay. Of very um, revealing. Guys, please don't do that. And it does not make the impression you think it does. Okay, go ahead. No. <laughs> and, and on one occasion, Ew. she uh, actually went into the house and he pointed to pictures on the wall of females and said, Someday you're going to be on that wall. According to what Teresa told her co workers at Auto Trader. Um, so, yeah, she felt he's a little creepy. She didn't seem to think he would do anything, but yeah, she. she you know, was I was just talking to Renee about this earlier. Um, sometimes when I look back on the things that I have done, looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. You know, and I didn't think anything about it at the time. And even with those feelings, she went ahead, probably didn't want to lose her job, and goes out to take the pictures at his salvage lot. Okay, then what happens? What do we know then? What we know is that uh, she got there about 2.30, quarter to 3, somewhere in that vicinity. And prior to that, just prior to that, uh, Stephen Avery makes the two phone calls to her cell phone and uh, uses star 67, does not make contact. Okay, so at least I got that part right. You were right on. He was making calls to her on star 67. Why? His his explanation was to find out where she was or to confirm whether she was coming, but okay. she didn't answer. Then why and, did he star 67 right, his phone? I, I'm not sure. I, yeah, my theory is he was so worked up in anticipation of her being there that The that last time just, I used star 67, Tom, my husband refused to answer his cell phone. I'm sure we were fighting about something to do with the twins. <laughs> oh, he gave John David a melatonin last night. He's nine. So you're going to end up on the Nancy Grace show. Anyway. <laughs> so he wouldn't answer the phone. I'm like, mm-hmm. I star 67. And he picked up. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> he hung up. Okay. Anyway, so why? I mean, I know I'm projecting. But why do you use star 67 to hide your number if not for some ulterior motive? Right? Absolutely. Okay, so he calls her twice. Does she pick up? She did, uh, to, to our knowledge, she did not pick up. No. Okay, then what happened? Well, then she gets there. She does her job, takes a picture of the van, and she's not seen again except by Bobby Dassey, his nephew who lives right next door. I thought it was Brendan Dassey. This is Bobby. Uh, this is Bo- Bobby wasn't involved in this. Brendan's okay. nephew that was involved. Gotcha, okay. But this is very important information from a family member who works third shift. He gets up. To go hunting, he looks out the window and he sees uh, Teresa and t- Teresa taking pictures of this van, notes it, and then he sees Teresa walking to Stephen Avery's trailer right next door. He goes back in the house, gets his hunting stuff on, he leaves, and when he leaves, Teresa's car is there, and Teresa's not around, and Stephen Avery's not around, and he leaves to go hunting. When he comes home later, the car's not there. And other people don't see What it. time of the day was that, that he observed Teresa there? About 2.30, quarter to 3. Okay, 2.30. 
When is she reported missing? She's reported missing on November 3rd, Thursday, and this happened on October 31. So she's reported missing three days later. Mm -hmm. All right, and her car is found on his lot. Correct. Okay, let me ask about that night and the fire pit. Okay, so Avery, Stephen Avery, I don't understand this. Okay, and I grew up in the country. I did not know anybody that had a fire hole in the backyard. When we say fire pit, what is that? Basically, it was a mound of dirt that he had taken like a skidster with a front-end scoop on it and scooped out a big section of the dirt in the middle, and that's where they would have fires. Why? Fires for what? Bonfires to get the kids or the nephews over and people stand around and have a fire. Well, this is Wisconsin. I know, I know. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Let me tell you something. I mean, we grew up on a red dirt road, and my grandfather dug the well, and our water would be red, okay? But... Did, can anybody attest to having bonfires in his backyard? Yes, they've had previous okay, bonfires. Okay, fine. All right, they have fires. So he's got a fire pit, which is a hole in the dirt. Is it true, Tom, that family or relatives or friends saw Stephen Avery tending, stirring a fire in the fire pit in the backyard the day Teresa Hallback was at the home? Nancy, it is true. Both witnesses, family, told us about a large bonfire in that backyard scene, seeing Stephen back there tending and watching the fire and also seeing another person believed to be Brendan Dassey out there with him. Who, I recall interviewing or talking to someone that saw him tending the fire pit and I think it was the girlfriend of a relative that um, saw him back there. Yes, uh, that would have been um, a sister-in-law, I believe. Right. Okay. That yeah. That saw the fire. Didn't, didn't go down far enough to see him, and also his sister's boyfriend saw. That. Him. That. Okay. Yeah. Scott. And these then would be friends and family saw Stephen Avery tending the fire pit that night. Both the fire and. Okay. Tending the fire pit, being out there. And this is the reason I'm asking. Is it true that in the fire pit were found the studs off her Daisy Fuentes jeans and what parts of her body like teeth bone that didn't burn? That is true, Nancy. The, the, she, she was wearing Daisy Fuentes jeans, we believe. Five of the studs of the six on those jeans we recovered in that fire pit is along with her cremines, unfortunately. What part of her could you actually get out of the fire? We had a forensic anthropologist do that exam and she found representative samples, bones from every part of her body. Renee, do you remember when I would do arsons? And they are so hard because first you have to prove a crime actually happened, that it wasn't an accident, and then you have to go from there and put it back together. Those are hard cases. And prove who did it. Yeah, it's very hard to prove a case when remains or the evidence has been burned. Okay, so we've got bones, we've got studs off her pants in the fire, her bones in the fire, a 25-year-old girl. Now, this is something I, I always report on it, but I want to ask you about it. Her car had... His, Stephen Avery's, DNA on her car that was hidden back at the back of the lot. Is that right? Yes, Nancy, that's correct. There were four areas in her car, inside her car, that had his blood, which he denied ever being in, the car, that is. And so there are four different areas. And that's important that he denied it because if it's innocent, why lie about it? Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Where are the four areas? Uh, in the front of the car, uh, between the seats, and also by the ignition switch. And this is a really big point. I thought that was sweat DNA. No, this was blood. Blood. Let me write that down. Okay, go ahead. Uh, by the ignition switch, where you would put the key in, there was a swipe pattern of blood. And that means you have an active bleeder who is swiping, making contact with that surface. And if you look at where we later found an injury on his middle finger, right hand, a, a cut, that that was fairly recent and if you look at where that cut was and you put the key in that ignition switch and you turn it 
it lines up almost perfectly with that swipe of blood on the plastic. Wait, let me there. understand. So you put the key in and you turn it, and you're saying the blood was like that? It would swipe along the, the plastic. Guys, the how are the cops going to plant that? I mean, it's just like when O.J. said they planted the evidence. Yes, the cops screwed up in O.J. Fine. But that does not mean Simpson didn't do it. Both things can be true. Here, I didn't know that intricate piece of evidence, that the blood was in the swish of and then turning the key. As he turned the key, his finger came in contact with the plastic next to the ignition and swiped a pattern of blood there. That is some good police work, to find that little bit of blood in that pattern and to find those uh, studs in all of that that he was burning. Did he have tires in there, burning tires? He burned tires. He burned a car seat. He burned uh, wood, obviously. He actually burned her clothes in that fire, bedding, uh, etc. Where? Okay, so there was blood between the seats. Uh, there was blood between the two front seats. There was blood in the, the second row of the seats. This is a RAV4, small SUV, right? Uh, near the, I guess you would call it the door panel, when the doors open, that, that panel there, there was drops. Now, again, indicative of an active bleeder. You mean you open the door and yes. there's drops on the Inside door. of that, gotcha. that yeah. panel there, rocker panel, I don't know what you call it. Um, so you get, you're getting different patterns that are very indicative of an active bleeder. And if a police officer is going to do this, there's put some blood in there, right? Uh, but these are indicative of an active bleeder actually being in that what car. about the trunk? And then in the back storage area, there was some... I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe there was some blood back there. Too and there was a bullet in the garage with Teresa Hallback's DNA on it. That's was correct. It That's correct, Nancy. Okay. I'm going to pause and thank our awesome sponsor, our partner in today's podcast. And I'll start with a story out of Racine, Wisconsin. A house catches on fire. Nobody's home. It took a while for neighbors to even notice the problem. But at the end of the day, there were $40,000 damages. If you're not home when a fire starts, who will be there to save your house, your belongings, your home? For Simply Safe Home Security user Trisha, Simply Safe was there. She was on vacation, her home caught fire, but with Simply Safe, her smoke alarm went off, the fire department was alerted immediately, and they arrived in time to save Trisha's home. Simply Safe has round the clock professional security monitoring and it's just fourteen ninety nine a month. Round the clock twenty four seven three sixty five monitoring. Now that is peace of mind. Get twenty four seven connection to dispatch, lightning fast response time in emergencies with Simply Safe Home Security. Order today and you get a special ten percent discount. SimplySafe.com slash Nancy, SimplySafe.com slash Nancy for the 10% off your home security system. Here he is, Ken Kratz. Speak of the devil and his imp shall soon appear. I don't know. Sure. Let's take questions, guys. Who has a question? You're not going to hear from the lead investigator a whole lot, okay? In the back. Yeah, hold on, let me repeat it. We have a lady in the back here. Everybody, we're at CrimeCon 2017. We are with Tom. Woo! Or is the twist? I love it when they, they do that little, because, you know, they don't even know what that means. What does it mean? Race I don't room, know. That, did, we, did we ever know what it meant? Does that mean raise the roof? I think that's The roof is the falling, roof. raise the roof kind of thing? And, and they run the around. They'll get out of the bathtub. And run does anyone the still do that besides your twins? I don't know where they I don't think it. so. Anyway, okay, so now we have from Payne Lindsay and the Duke from his posh penthouse pad in L.A. telling me what that little thing. Okay, with me, Tom Fassbender, and now Ken Kratz, both on this case. I bet you're having a backflip with this new motion that's been filed, trying to respond to that. Well, it's not something I ever will respond to, and I don't think I probably should. It's not uh, not something that uh, uh, that I need to to weigh in on. It's obviously very troubling to see the kind of allegations 
that were made, and, and I'm sure you've talked about it. I'm sorry for coming in late, but happy to answer any questions they have here. Sure. Um, okay, so the question in the back from the lady is, why didn't he crush down the car? Okay. Me, before I go to the expert, probably because he knew the cops were watching him, and he didn't he'd have to go get it and take it to a facility unless he could crush them there. Could he crush the cars there, Tom? Yes, he could. I don't know why, but that would kind of give it away, huh? If they found it crushed by his machine. I don't know why. What do you think? Well, what happened is the, the week prior to that or thereabouts, Stephen actually went down to the pit and crushed some cars in that car crusher. Now, a car crusher makes a, a, car cr a crushed car sandwich. There's about six of them in there. He crushed two or three. Our belief is he was preparing for this. And he was, in all, by all means, going to crush his car. Brendan told us that. That was his intent. Now, Ooh, think that was a this. good question. Think of this. The, the salvage yard is a business, and it's operating for business. So he takes the car down there. He hides it on Monday night. If he goes down there and starts crushing this thing, this is a big diesel-type car crush. If people are going to hear it, they're going to know stuff's going on. But wait a minute. They would probably have heard it all the time anyway and not thought a thing about it. Me, I, by people, I'm saying probably more his, his brother's. Yeah. And stuff on there, wondering why Stephen's down there crushing cars. But didn't he, he always crush to? cars? No, he did not. Not a lot. Oh. It was it was mainly the owner of the car crusher that did the crushing. But why do you think he was about to crush the car? Well, number well, number one, he indicated that to Brenda. Number two, he put that car right in the vicinity of the car crusher to make it easy to get to that car crusher, oh. and. He couldn't do it during the week. Then the cars, or then the, she's reported missing, and there's all these search teams out there. There's an airplane flying over, checking things out. He's not going to mess around there, and he doesn't want to do it while the business is open. The weekend, the family goes up in northern Wisconsin to the cottage. Everyone clears out. They're closed from noon Saturday to Monday. We have a telephone call where he indicates that he's thinking about coming back from the cabin up north on Saturday. Our belief is that's when he was going to go back when no one was around and crush the car. And he didn't get a chance because the car was found Saturday morning. And you know another thing on the outside looking in? How many times do criminals say, ooh, if I had just X? Looking back, he probably thinks I should have done it like three o'clock in the morning one night why didn't I do it but he had a plan and his own plan messed him up I hadn't thought of that Nancy there's a pretty good uh, opportunity that if he did crush the car and everybody think about this uh, we probably wouldn't have found the car if we don't find the car we don't get the search warrant if we don't get the search warrant he gets away with murder so that's how close this case came to us never having it solved absolutely Yes, ma'am. Oh, you uh, had mentioned that during the bonfire, that in addition to the remains, there's a car seat and there's some tires in there. Right. Do you think that he always burned tires? Was that just a normal? I know that when people are having, I guess, bonfires in their backyard, they don't burn a tire. <laughs> they smell awful. She. We've got a question about why. Would he burn the tires? I think to get rid, to take away from the body. The more stuff he could throw on there, it would all burn down. It'd be harder to find the body. But wait, let's go ahead, Tom. Uh, being an auto salvage yard, it wasn't uncommon that they may burn tires occasionally. That night, he did burn tires. That's verified through witness accounts. Tires burn hot, very hot, and, it's and a, they stink. And they stink. And a lot of smoke, and they, they, they have some length to their burn. And we actually had our arson investigator, who's an expert in that area, testify to that about the that that would be an excellent fuel to burn what he burned. Uh, also, the car seat has, has that foam that, that, that is also a very hot burning fuel. So the fuel was absolutely ideal for the job that he was doing. Yes, ma'am. Well, we've, there was the bullet in the garage. Uh, the question is, how did she die? Is that your question? I don't think so, because there was the bullet found in the garage with her DNA on it. And according to Dassey, the nephew, who now there have been troubles with his conviction because it is now claimed he had a low IQ, which some of his tests showed he had a medium-range IQ, and that he was tricked into giving a confession. 
He didn't right. seem very smart, though. I mean, so I'm just that's what I got you're from just what from hey, watching. Lindsay. I'm saying from watching him. So he's not smart. What does that mean? He can't kill somebody? I don't know. I think that it would make you think twice about his confession. I'm not saying that. He Did wasn't you go to law school, Payne? No, Lindsay? I didn't. I'm just, no, but I can I can tell when someone's. Uh, Smart or not smart. Okay, I'm sorry, but I don't see there's a disclaimer in the Constitution that said all no, people you, that you, Payne Lindsay says yes. are not smart can't be prosecuted for murder. You're correct. This actually this actually a question for you guys more. So wait, let's. Keep, she's the one that asked the question, and you have injected I'll ask that in a minute. yourself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on. To I'm that not one. calling on you. It's going somewhere. <laughs> did, did she die from a gunshot wound? Yes, uh, she died from a gunshot wound. Uh, the, the, of the fragments that were found in the fire. There were skeletal pe- or uh, cranial pieces. Our forensic anthropologist found two bullet entrance wounds in pieces of those uh, those cranial bones, indicative of entry wounds of, of, a, of a bullet. We found the bullets or a bullet in the garage. Don't know if that's the exact bullet that went through and into oh, her skull. Oh, I thought skull. it had DNA on it. It no. did. It did. But we don't know if it's it went. That's the exact bullet that went through the skull okay. or into other soft tissues or whatever. Got it. And I think importantly, we never claimed that the bullet that was recovered was one of the two that went through the skull. Probably not, as a matter of fact, because uh, it, as those of you that know 22 caliber in ballistics, uh, a bullet uh, kind of rattles around once it, comes, it goes into a skull, and so uh, that's why it likely would have remained inside and likely wouldn't have been the bullet that was recovered in the back. That probably went through soft tissue, although a DNA of uh, Teresa went on there, uh, probably not at one of the skull uh, uh, projectiles, uh, nor did we ever claim that, uh, despite what Ms. Zellner put in, uh, in her brief a couple of days ago. So that's, I think, an important uh, So here's my question. If you're on the jury, that's how you get bogged down in the, ugh, the intricacies of a case. This is what I need to know. A bullet with Teresa Hallback's DNA is in Avery's garage, and her body has been incinerated. She's dead, burned dead. So this was done before she was burned. And I don't care if it went through her brain or where it went through. I know she's dead, and there's a bullet with her DNA on it. But Dassey, in his statement, which I have watched, some of it's on, most of it's on video, I think, said that Stephen Avery either tied or chained her to a bed, cut off her hair, raped her as she's chained there, then made Dassey rape her, according to Dassey. He was forced. And then Avery shot her dead, and he looked away. Uh, where is Renee still in here? Renee, stand up. How many times have I prosecuted cases where at that exact crucial moment, like the shooting, my chief witness looked away? Why would you look away at that moment? Well, they say they Because they don't want to testify. <laughs> so when I heard he looked away at the moment, that one moment, I didn't believe that. But that is what Teresa endured before her death. This was a very traumatic event for this young man. He didn't want to go there. And he actually talked about when he was younger, uh, the, the family had to kill a family cat. And he had, uh, you know, he couldn't watch that. He couldn't see that. And, and that was very traumatic to him. So when we asked him, did he you didn't shoot? He did have trouble raping her, Tom. Chained to a bed. No, he didn't. I mean, didn't. excuse me, but. No, no, he didn't. Okay, so I don't want to traumatize Brendan Dassey any further, but he did rape Teresa Hallback as she was chained to a bed. Am, am I, is that right? That's correct. Okay, question back there in the back. <laughs> Wasn't that like the third confession that he made to you Let me repeat. A gentleman in the back wants to know, is that the third confession where he talked about shooting? That's a good question. Yes. Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, we don't have enough time to talk about the whole interviews and all of the interviews. He's trying to pin you down. But on that He's part, trying to suggest, no, suggest that you right. fed it to him. And if, if you did, just it's, that's that right. is not unconstitutional. I don't like it, but... When somebody just sits there and you go, finally, did you shoot her in the head? Didn't you? 
and you're waiting for an answer. I mean, I could hear myself saying something like that yeah. if somebody wouldn't answer me. Well, the question, he, what he's talking about is we asked several times, what else happened to her? What else happened to her? Something with the head. And he talked about uh, cutting her neck. He talked about punching her and, and Stephen, not him, but Stephen strangling her. And then my partner asked, well, all right, who shot her in the head? Okay. He had every right and opportunity to say, I don't know. Or nobody shot Or nobody. I didn't. What did he respond to that almost immediately? He did, Stephen. He did. And then when asked to elaborate on that, he said he shot her with his 22. And the point here is that 22, that bullet we found forensically matched up with Stephen Avery's 22, which was above his headboard in his bedroom, which is where Brendan told us that 22 was. The statements he made before the shooting in the head question, only Brendan knows whether those are true. We did not feed him them statements. We just kept asking him what happened. Something happened to her head. We didn't say, did this happen to her head? He told us, I cut her neck, I pun or he punched her, etc. You know what? I want to honor what he's saying back there in the back. Sir, could you stand back up again? Because when you see the Netflix documentary, it looks so real. And... I would have questions, too, if I didn't already know what I knew, you know, if I didn't already know about the case and had not investigated the case and talked to Avery himself, I might have gotten taken in hook, line, and sinker. So tell me what, are you trying to ask, do you think Brendan Dassey was forced to give a, I, and I don't care, I don't care the answer, do you think he was forced to give a, a confession? I feel like Stephen Avery looks guilty. I agree with you. Right. Well, to, to you Why, guys. I want to finish here what he's saying. Okay, so let me ask right. you this. I agree. Wait a minute. I want to ask you a question. So, do you believe Avery is guilty? Okay, let me ask you about this. Do you think Dassey raped Hallback? I don't know. I don't think Dassey shot her, and I don't think Dassey strangled her. I just don't. I don't know why. It's just gut feeling. But I do think he raped her because the way he said it was kind of like, I didn't want to do it, but he made me do it. Why would Stephen involve Brennan at all? I don't know. What? This is to you guys. Why do you think? I'm going to come back to you. Why do you think that, That's Tom? confusing to me. Me too. You know... Hard to answer that question. Why would he involve? If you had Brendan? to answer that question, why would Stephen do that? <laughs> you have to. Yeah. This is the courtroom. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I just, if you would just, what's your best hypothesis? I think he wanted a partner in crime. I think he wanted someone there. And why do you choose Brendan? Maybe he didn't have anybody else. Maybe Bo Dukes wasn't available. <laughs> Maybe. Why? Why not Brendan? Because Brendan was. Was Gullible. easily manipulated. And, easy. and that was point, easily exactly, convinced. Though. Brendan was easily manipulated. Yes, by him. That could be true, yes. Payne Lindsay, that he is easily manipulated. But he can be only easily by manipulated by law enforcement and have too. raped Teresa Hallback. Those can both be true. Yeah, for the record, I, I think that Stephen is guilty. I'm just questioning Brendan's guilt. I think that he raped her and did not kill her. And I think the fact that he was there. But what did he go to jail for? He went for how long? to jail for murder because that is a okay. felony murder. If I can weigh in on this, please. Be awesome. Please, yes. <laughs> Who the hey do you think you are? Oh, yeah, the prosecutor. Okay. <laughs> Brendan was there and he helped. Those are the two, putting it down into lay terms, those are the two elements of being a party to the crime. 
Was he there and did he help? Okay. And so in the Brendan Dassey prosecution, which was a separate prosecution from Avery, by the way, most of you know that Brendan's statement was never used in the Stephen Avery case, never presented at all. Thank we God. Ne we never even, even brought that in. Uh, Avery was uh, convicted mostly on the forensic uh, evidence, uh, which was really compelling, so there wasn't any reason to do that. How did you decide not to bring in Dassey? Well, we, we tried to make a, a deal with Brendan. We tried to, and because of, of Brendan's Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination, we either had to make a deal with him, give him some kind of immunity, which we weren't willing mm -hmm. to do, uh, and Brendan uh, rejected our last plea offer. Uh, we offered Brendan 15 years in prison, which was, uh, he'd be out in about three years from now, by the way. And it wasn't Brendan who turned it down. It wasn't even his attorney who told him to turn it down. It was his grandfather who called him and said, you have to reject that plea bargain, not so much because what it does to your case, but because it hurts Stephen's case, because it's going to hurt his chances of uh, a acquittal. Uh, and we want you, Brendan, to go to, we want you to go to trial on a first-degree intentional homicide, uh, even if you're convicted, it's better off for Stephen if you do that. Can you imagine a developmentally disabled 16-year-old who needs the support of his family members and the advice he gets is Guys, reject I'm sorry, that I don't offer get it. and, and Why go to trial. Why do you keep talking so. about him being developmentally disabled, which he is, which he may be, I think? Why aren't we talking about the raped dead girl? I'm telling you, because okay. because it impacted his... Uh, decision making. All right, it wasn't because of his behavior what he was convicted for. Okay, what but was after his that, involvement his, his then, behavior. Ken? What was it in a nutshell? Oh, Brendan Dassey uh, involved himself in in the rape. I'm very convinced that he he convinced or excuse me that uh, that he raped uh, Teresa. He also uh, carried uh, her out to the garage, uh, participated uh, not in an active way, but participated in her death. They threw her in the back of her own, uh, the own cargo area of her vehicle, and before they decided together, that is Brendan and Stephen decided together that it was better to burn her than it was to put her in the pond. They were going to put her body in the pond. They didn't think there was enough water in the pond, and so they made uh, a, a joint decision, or at least a decision, to burn the body. Brendan was involved throughout there. Was he the moving force? No. Would Brendan Dassey have done this himself? No. He's a 16-year-old kid who likes playing video games. We've got a lot of sympathy for Brendan Dassey, but after offering Brendan a 15-year deal, after he turned it down and said, prove it, go to trial, our hands were tied to uh, uh, Nancy and we had nothing left at that point than to go to trial, to convict him of his involvement, and to leave it up to the judge what the, the uh, sentence was going to be. We never thought he should get uh, life imprisonment. He didn't, uh, but we were still upset and, and today are still upset with the kind of advice that he got, which was really, I think, a disservice to that 16-year-old. Right up here was a question. I'm sorry, what now? Okay, the question is, why do I think Brandon was not coerced into having sex with Teresa Albert? I think that Brendan Dassey raped Teresa Hallback. Okay, there's. Okay, apparently Teresa Hallback, Tom, was begging, please don't do this. Teresa Hallback was begging for her life, crying, screaming. So, I mean... Well, he's a 16-year-old guy that watches TV, that plays video games, that is in school. I think he was still in school, correct? He was still in school, and he was operating... He had a couple classes, one or two classes that were... Um, She's chained years. up begging and crying to live um i don't think that's having sex with somebody i think that's raping them those of you that attended uh, yesterday's session got to see brendan dassey in his own okay. words say that it was stephen avery 
that said, why don't you go ahead and have sex with her? And here's the troubling part. This is, this is where I'm going, though. He said, do it for me. Can you imagine an uncle saying that to a 16-year-old? I want you to do it for me. That might go to your, your question before, Nancy, about uh, trying to get him involved. You know, once he gets Brendan involved, he buys his silence, right? He buys his silence from that. Uh, Brendan Dassey uh, made these statements um, to law enforcement, and I'm, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but made these statements to law enforcement without the kind of con uh, coercion that you see. He made six different statements to law enforcement. You saw snippets of one of them in making a murder. So unless you see the whole body uh, of what it was that he said, in, including uh, some of the clips that we showed uh, yesterday, you're going to come away with making a murderer with that same opinion. Were they all the same statements, or were they all different? There were differences in all the statements. The important part was from the first statement on, he clearly was lying in the first statement, witness interview, not a suspect interview, clearly lying and clearly trying to protect Stephen. Second interview, he tells the truth about a few things, clearly is lying about other things, which we know from witness statements and physical evidence, clearly still protecting Stephen Avery. Clearly, something is bothering him. Physically, you can see it, eyes, his reactions, everything. How do you know what the truth was Something when he was telling Something is hurting him. How do I know that it's true? The emotion? Well, here's an example. First statement, he denies a fire that week. We know there was a fire. We know he was by the fire. Right. Okay? Second uh, interview, he admits to a fire but chooses to stay away from Monday, Halloween, and says it might have been Thursday or Wednesday. Third interview at the school. He starts admitting that he was out by the fire now, admits to it that it's Halloween, admits that he helped with the fire and saw body parts. Fourth interview at the, at the resort, he finally admits to helping clean up using gasoline, paint thinner, and bleach in the garage and getting bleach on his pants, which we find and corroborate. So each interview, and it's important to recognize they were all witness interviews. We didn't treat him as a suspect. Even the start of the third or the, the March 1st interview, we didn't think he was a suspect. We didn't think he was actively involved. We just thought he knew more. Why did we go March 1st or to the school? Because we had indications that he was hurting. He was crying. He was losing weight. Something was bothering this boy. He, was to he told his cousin about bad things, about body parts, about the worry about blood coming up through concrete. Hmm. Uh, stuff like that, and that garage floor had cracks in it, concrete garage floor. These are the things that were, were leading us to keep talking to him and the knowledge that he was intentionally lying and intentionally not telling us the truth about stuff and probably protecting Stephen. Within 50 minutes approximately of that interview on March 1st, he pretty much blows us away and tells us that he participated in the rape of, uh, of Teresa Halbach. We didn't feed him that. We were asking him questions about what happened. You know, you got into the trailer. What would you do next? What did you do next? What did he make you do? He saw her down there. Stephen then, as Ken put it, do it for me. See what it feels like. Brendan later in the interview admits, when asked, why did you do this? Because I wanted to see what it feels like. There's a lot of detail that Brendan provided in his interview that I, I don't know, yeah, I could not come up with that if I, if I was lying. Impossible. It, it was very indicative of memory of something that he had been through. You know, when I would interview witnesses and was investigating a case, when somebody's lying, their story is not rich with detail. Like, I wanted to see what it felt like. I mean, the details that Brendan Dassey put in there, and again, my big concern is Stephen Avery. I do believe that Brendan Dassey has a, very, has a low IQ, and I think that he was duped and used. But I still believe he raped Teresa Hallback, and I don't think he killed her, but I think he was part and parcel and did everything that he just said. This is why the uh, truthfulness of statements or whether it ought to be believed is left to a jury, to 12 people looking at that, because the richness of detail that, that Nancy's talking about is what we're talking about. Answers like, I wanted to know what it felt like, or that you were at yesterday's talk, you got to hear Brendan say, I'm not old enough to have a kid yet. 
Well, think about that. As naive as that is, all right, and, and the level of sophistication being as low as that is, that rings true, folks. That's the kind of thing that a jury watched. The jury got to see the entire uh, three-hour confession of Brendan Dassey. They got to hear details like that. I'm not old enough to have a kid yet. That's the kind of thing that a 16-year-old uh, who is feeling bad about what happened but also doesn't have the sophistication that adults do and sure as heck isn't something that the officers uh, are feeding to him. He came up with all that on his own. Coming up on the next episode of Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we turn to Up and Vanished podcast creator Payne Lindsay for a discussion about the Tara Grinstead murder investigation. We promise it becomes heated. And Stephen Avery, prosecutor Ken Kratz, and investigator Tom Fassbender are still with us for more. We'll post episode two of our live CrimeCon edition of Crime Stories with Nancy Grace Tuesday. And again, if you're not there when a fire starts, who will be there to save your home? With Simply Safe Home Security, your smoke detectors immediately alert emergency services at the first sign of a fire. Get 10% off your system today at simplysafe.com slash nancy. That's simplysafe.com slash nancy. I'm Nancy Grace, Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy.